And so what I suggest you do is that you bring these things to Jesus and drop them at his feet and leave them there. I suggest that you bring these things to Jesus and when you do, I also suggest that you drink deeply of the living water. I suggest that as you go forward in your life and as you feel guilt and shame, you will. I suggest in those moments that you drink in the guilt and the shame that Jesus took to the cross and left there. And I suggest that in the moments where you are feeling absolutely unforgivable and unlovable for the things that you have done, I suggest that you drink in the fact that Jesus has always and will always love you. The sermon that you're about to hear is from Pastor Paul Borman at Hope Lutheran Church, located in Tigard, Oregon. For more information and for more content, go to hopeintiger.com. When I come to a text that I'm going to be preaching on, I like to be prepared. I guess it's the understatement of the day. (laughs) I like to be prepared, and, and what I mean by that, I like to be at least a couple weeks in advance. I've been doing that especially um, in our sermon series on the book of John so that I can, I can, I can tie together these, these accounts and these chapters that, that John meant for to be a complete work. And so uh, throughout this series, I've been working a couple weeks in advance to listen to pastors' podcasts and, and read sermons to see what they've done with the text. And I was getting really excited about this text because I saw that, that perhaps more than the average tes- text, there's so much to preach about here. You know, I, had a, I heard one sermon where a pastor spent the entire time preaching about evangelism. And he talked about the, the part at the end of this account where the woman has, has been freed from her guilt and she runs back to her city and she yells to everybody who will listen, come and see the one who told me everything I ever did. And the people came. And John records that they believed. And so one pastor spent his whole sermon talking about evangelism. And then there was another pastor who spent his whole sermon speaking about worship. There's a, there's a paragraph in there that we're not even going to get to today. I wish we could. But it's a paragraph where Jesus talks about how worship is going to be different now. You don't have to worship in Jerusalem and you don't have to worship on Mount Gerizim. Now worship is going to happen in spirit and in truth. And there's so much incredible stuff to learn there. So the pastor talked all about worship. And then there was another pastor who preached about how amazing it is that in the gospel, Jesus transcended geographical barriers, uh, economic barriers, gender barriers, cultural barriers to bring this woman the gospel. So many sermons that can be preached here. But as I dug into this for myself this week, I, my pastor's heart was telling me there's, there's something bigger here that Jesus wants to teach us about hard conversations. And so I, I really struggled with this at the beginning part of this week and I actually brought it to, to my wife and I asked her, hey, Karis, 
through your soap journaling, through John chapter 4, what is the big takeaway that you've had? And, and I shared with her the stuff about evangelism and about worship and about race, and she shared with me, those things are great, but that's not what Jesus is doing here. And she said, you want to be a simple church? You've got to keep it simple. Jesus says, bring your stuff to me so I can give you living water. It's sin and grace. It's law and gospel. And, and I knew that she was right. And, and since I knew that she was right, my pastor's heart kind of dropped in my chest because I knew this was going to be a heavy sermon. It's going to be a heavy sermon where, where, where Jesus comes to us with his law and cuts us to the heart so that he can heal us. So to that end, this is my big way of telling you that this is going to be a heavy sermon and I'm going to give it away in a nutshell here right away so that you know exactly where I'm going the whole time. Jesus is going to give us a master class in spiritual surgery and he's going to cut us deep to the heart. Why? To show us how spiritually thirsty we really are and to give us that living water that will bubble up into eternal life. So today our gospel lesson comes from John chapter 4, verses 4 through 18. This isn't even the whole account of the Samaritan woman, but this is where we'll be focusing today. I'll ask you to stand um, with me as we read this gospel message from John chapter 4. These are the works and words of Jesus. Now Jesus had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I won't get thirsty and have to come, keep coming here to draw water. And he told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say that you have no husband. The fact is that you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. This is the word of the Lord. You can go ahead and be seated.
I really wish that I could be like Jesus in a lot of ways. No, I, I wish that I could know God and his word perfectly just like Jesus does. And I wish, especially right now in this time of history, I wish that I could heal people. And I also think that walking on water would be pretty cool. But what I'm talking about today, the reason I wish I could be like Jesus is I wish that I could know people like Jesus does. He gives us a master class in, in knowing people today. You can see it from the first word that he spoke. He knew exactly how the conversation was going to end before it began. I told you I'm going to keep using this image uh, of spiritual surgery, Jesus as master surgeon. You can put it like this. Jesus has already run all his tests for her. And he has already studied the MRI and he has already determined which surgery is going to be the best for her. And so he starts off. He's sitting by a well and he says, I'm thirsty. And the second sentence that he has for this woman, he's leading her towards spiritual water, living water that's going to bubble up for her for eternal life. He says to her, this is the kind of water that if you knew what it was, you'd be asking me for it. It's the kind of water that when you drink from it, you will never be thirsty again. And she doesn't get it yet, but she's excited. She thinks that in Jesus, she's found the guy who is finally going to give her nice, running, mountain, clear water instead of the swampy, muddy mess that's in the bottom of this ancient well. And so she asks Jesus, Sir, Give me this water so I don't have to keep coming back here. She thinks she's found the eternal Culligan man, if you'll forgive me for these. She thinks she's found the inventor of the perpetual Brita filter. And she, she doesn't get what Jesus is doing here. She doesn't get that he is teaching her a spiritual truth about herself. She doesn't see yet that he is on a whole other spiritual level yet. But we need to see it. As people who are looking at this today, we need to see that. Because if we are not seeing that Jesus is on a spiritual level with what he's doing, then what we're going to think that he's doing next, we're going to think he's going to be bullying this woman a little bit. Because it, it really seems, when you first read it, like Jesus is doing an absolute 180 for her. No, in one second, he's over here promising her living water so that she'll never be thirsty again, being so kind to her. And then the next second, she, he's over here saying, tell me about your history with men. It, it, it can seem, I, I would understand if, you, if you're thinking right now that Jesus is being a little bit of a bully right now, using his divine knowledge about her to shame her. Because he does come down hard on her. He brings the hammer down on her. You know, he knows how this conversation is going to go. He asks her, go get your husband and bring him back here. Knowing that she's going to respond by saying, I have no husband, and knowing that he's going to respond to her by saying, you're right. You've had five, and you're on your sixth, and you're not married to him. If we don't understand what it is that Jesus is doing here, 
it can seem like, like he's being a bully, like he is at least just manipulating her a little bit, guilting her into at least changing her living arrangement. We got to understand that's not what Jesus is doing. He's not changing the topic either. He's staying on that topic and he's actually digging even further into it. He's showing her her spiritual thirst. He's saying, I've got living water for you. Let me show you how badly you need it. And I'll tell you what, as I sat down writing this sermon, I was in absolute awe of how Jesus did this. He was so powerful about it and yet so delicate about it. And I was sitting thinking to myself, I wish I could be like Jesus in this. I wish I could have a conversation like this where I could show someone how spiritually thirsty they are so that they could know how good it is to have this living water in Jesus. I mean, many of you know this about the role of a pastor. This is what I'm called to do, to have conversations like this with people who need to have conversations like this. And I can tell you from just my young experience, my year and a half of experience as a pastor, I'll tell you how difficult, how sensitive these conversations are. When you come to someone and, and you know that you've identified something in their life that is spiritually dangerous, it's so difficult to sit down and, and talk in a way where the person doesn't think that you're just talking down to them or proselytizing them or just trying to make them feel bad, or trying to guilt them into a change. And I think as the way the world is going, these conversations are going to become more and more difficult. And so that's why I think it is so important for us to know what it is that Jesus is doing here. He's not manipulating this woman. He's caring about her. He's caring about her enough to, real, to, to reveal to her the spiritual thirst that she has. He's, he's telling her, my dear woman, do you know why you've kept going after all these men? It's because you have a spiritual thirst. You have a thirst for acceptance, for love, for security, for care. And I gotta tell you, you're going about it all the wrong ways. And because I'm Jesus, I can see into your heart and I see that it's killing you. Jesus, the spiritual surgeon, cuts to the heart. And I ask you, I mentioned this before, why does any surgeon cut? To heal. And I think sometimes in Christianity, we lose sight of this fact. And we, there's, a, there's a common phrase that I actually really love where we say that, that the church is not a museum for saints, it's a hospital for sinners. And, and I love that because it, it means that, that when we come in here, we come before God and we bring him all of our stuff and we realize that we are not perfect. But even when we say that, I think we are forgetting about all the things that happen inside a hospital I think right now doctors and nurses are wishing that people knew a little bit more about what goes on inside of a hospital. You ask, uh, you ask any doctor or nurse what needs to happen in order for someone's life to be medically saved. What needs to happen most of the time is a brutally invasive procedure to address the root of the problem. 
And again, I think we forget about that sometimes in Christianity. And sometimes we think about church and about God's word as a spiritual painkiller that we pop once or twice a week to, to make the pain go away a little bit. But I think the, the better comparison would be that the church and God's word is a spiritual operating room where God comes to us with his word, with his law, and cuts us deep to the heart. Why would he do that? So that he can heal us. So that he can cut out that spiritual thirst that's plaguing us so that we can truly be healthier than we've ever been in our lives. And Jesus is so brilliant in the way that he does this with this woman. He reveals the truth to her in one one-liner sentence. He, he reveals this truth that if you seek acceptance, if you seek love, if you seek to be okay in your life, in anything that is outside of God and his word, you're always going to be thirsty. Always going to be thirsty for more. He teaches us that as well, that if we seek to drink from the wells of the world, we will never be satisfied. And I know that these conversations are so sensitive and difficult to broach. And I think that one of the reasons is that these spiritual thirsts are so surface level for us. You know, these are our insecurities, these are our doubts, these are our fears that are always so present in our hearts. These are the thirsts that Jesus is addressing in us. And that's why I can kind of look out and I can read, read a little bit of body language this morning to see how you're receiving this message right underneath the surface is that thirst. And pastors don't bet. But I would guess that each one of you knows exactly what your spiritual thirst is right now. And I would guess that each one of you knows exactly what one-liner Jesus would come to you with if you were at the well that day. And I would guess that each one of you knows what button Jesus would push for you to reveal the ways that you have gone about quenching your spiritual thirst in ways that are destructive. I would guess that all of us know that about ourselves. And so that's why I want to push us on in this message today to the end of Jesus' one-liner. He says, go and get your husband and what next? Come back here. Do you know what Jesus is saying to the woman and to us with this? He's saying, I know your mess, and I want you to go and get it and bring it here so that I can cut it out of your life. And I want you to go and get your guilt and your shame and bring it out of your heart, out in front, so that I can deal with it and take it on myself. He's saying, I don't care what you call it, whether it's that night that you want to forget about, that relationship that you wish that didn't happen, that thing that always brings that bright red to your cheek when you think about it, or, or that skeleton in your closet, whatever it might be that you call it, Jesus wants you to bring that to him. So that instead of having guilt and shame written on your heart, it can be the word forgiven written there instead. 
He says, bring out this thirst. I'm gonna give you living water so that you'll never be thirsty again, so that it'll bubble up in you to eternal life. See, that's what Jesus wants to give you. And man, he wants to give it to you so badly. You can see how badly he wanted to give it to this Samaritan woman. He crossed over into a geography that a Jewish person has no place being in. He crossed over cultural divides. He crossed over gender norms. He crossed over religious norms. All so that he could bring this woman the gospel, the living water, bring her the peace that she had been searching for in all the wrong ways for so many years, he brought her that. And that's what he wants to give to you. And you can see the effect that this had on the Samaritan woman. There's a whole second and maybe even third sermon that I could preach on this text, but what she does is she goes out into the town after she has been relieved of all of that weight of guilt and shame, and she goes and says, come and meet the man who told me about everything that I ever did. He's the Messiah. And the people came. And John records for us that they believed. See, this text is about law and gospel. And the way law and gospel work together is such a beautiful thing. One can't go without the other. The law works to cut us to the heart so that we can be healed. That's what this text is. It's law and gospel. It's sin and grace. It is a redemptive story of Jesus becoming thirsty in himself on the cross to make sure that none of us would ever be thirsty Again, living water that bubbles up into eternal life. I wish that I could be like Jesus so that I could be a better pastor for everybody so that I could sit down with you and, and know what spiritual thirsts that you're dealing with so that we could sit down together and look at Jesus and his word and see how his spiritual water quenches every one of our thirsts. But I'm not Jesus. And so I don't know the skeletons in your closet. I don't know those things that bring the pink to your cheeks. I don't... I don't know those things that you're thinking about right now, but you can know this, that Jesus does. And like we talked about with the kids, that's a good thing. <laughs> because even though he knows those things about you, he still loves you. And so what I suggest you do is that you bring these things to Jesus and drop them at his feet and leave them there. I suggest that you bring these things to Jesus and when you do, I also suggest that you drink deeply of the living water. I suggest that as you go forward in your life and as you feel guilt and shame, because you will, I suggest in those moments that you drink in the guilt and the shame that Jesus took to the cross and left there. 
And I suggest that in the moments where you are feeling absolutely unforgivable and unlovable for the things that you have done, I suggest that you drink in the fact that Jesus has always and will always love you. Drink that in, people of hope. Living water that bubbles up into eternal life. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, every time that we are are forced to come to face to face with our sins, it is a heavy topic. It is so difficult for us when it comes to our most foundational needs to believe that what you have for us is truly satisfying. Lord, I ask that you help us to truly believe that. Help us to see more and more that you are the well of life. Lord, if there are people here today who are feeling shame in their hearts, help us to see that every shame, every guilt has been covered up in you. And Lord, today, if there are people who are feeling the weight of what they have done, help them to see the reality that in you, all of it is covered. Lord, help us to see that you are that living water. Help us to drink that in. It's in your name we pray. Amen.